Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we have a pretty interactive uh, podcast. We invited Tammy Johnson from Treasury Fit, and uh, we'll be talking about a blockchain project that they've been working with NSF, and there's actually an app you can check out. There's a link on our AGA podcast website, also on Treasury Fit's website on their blog. Uh, it's the blog entitled another link in the chain so check that out walk along with us and we hope you enjoy the podcast hello and welcome to the podcast today we're doing a sort of an update podcast we have uh, met with some folks before to talk about a blockchain project going on and uh, we've brought here today a special guest to discuss the uh, the progress of that project pilot or so to speak or a special project that fit is doing so uh let me introduce to you today miss tammy johnson hello tammy hello thank you for having me absolutely well why don't you please give our audience a little background on yourself and what you do over at the treasury i am a program and management analyst within the office of financial innovation and transformation So I'm very fortunate to be able to work on government-wide problems or issues or work with new technology to see how they can improve financial management. I first came to FID and worked on the strategy study, really understanding where we were in 2017, um, what were our challenges, and where should we head. And out of that came a um, strategy study that had 13 items, and we've been working through those various projects. I then was fortunate enough to work on um, how we could prevent fraud, waste, and abuse. I did a pilot project with the VA, and um, out of that, it was always with the focus of how, what can we learn from that pilot project that we could use government-wide, and we um, built the the anti-fraud playbook um, that has been helpful in helping agencies build out their anti-fraud programs. Um, or start a program, depending on where where they were. Um, And then most recently, I've been working on blockchain, really understanding this new technology and how it can improve many things within financial management. But right now, we're focused on the multi-tier grant use cases. Great. And you did mention some of the projects, but maybe, again, just give us a little overview about, you know, what what does FIT do? Why was that office established? Um, We were established to be the managing partner for the financial management line of business. And what we do is we identify and help carry out innovative solutions so that government agencies can become more efficient and transparent in their federal financial management. We focus in three areas, innovation, transformation, and optimization. And one of our uh, major roles is really working on those government-wide solutions, and we partner with with various federal agencies to advance federal financial management, identify and and pilot promising technology like blockchain, um, work on improving the customer experience and promoting federal financial management standards, which can really help in, in new technology and automation and so forth. And then that way we can spend um, the financial management can really spend more time with the data, really understanding and helping make business decisions and so forth for the federal government. 
And I did mention a, a couple of our projects, but a, a few of our other ones are um, we, we're looking at artificial intelligence and how it can improve the warrant process. We've also recently issued the Digital End-to-End -end Efficiency Playbook, which takes that holistic view of improving an entire business process. And then we've um, also launched the Treasury Financial Experience, which makes it easier for people within the financial workforce to find the financial management guidance and policies and instructions that they need to um, help them with their work. So we work on a very a wide variety of projects. Yeah, that's great. I love all these innovative uh, governmental solutions here. So that's really very great to hear this. Uh, you guys are doing all this work. So why don't we jump into our uh, case for today? I uh, wanted to get into the blockchain project. Um, and again, our listeners can go back. We did speak with some folks from NSF. Mike Wetklow was on here to talk about that pilot. Um, but that's been a while ago, and I know it's made a lot of progress. So I'd love to hear from you uh, a little bit about that blockchain project. Uh, again, the history, where, how did it you know, come about, but also you know, where, where is it now? So let's maybe start with a little background, if you don't mind. Okay. I'll give um, a little bit of background because there might be um, something that people want to go back and look at. We, we really started this journey back in 2017 because we knew that the technology was up and coming. We knew it had benefits like greater efficiency, transparency, automation, and resiliency. And we thought that that could help solve you know, many problems within the financial world. But a lot of times people will automatically think of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin when they hear the term blockchain. And that's not what we're using the technology for. There's many other uses. And so um, back in 2017, what we did is we started looking at tracking physical, physical assets. And that was really a low risk use case, but it was one that really gave us some foundation foundational learning and um, allowed us to streamline tracking physical assets. We also shared our code like on GitHub so that others could learn about what we built and actually use it and also provide comments back on it. So um, all the things that we do at FIT, we share um, because we're trying to make sure that we share and people share back with us so that we can push things forward. In 2018, we did look at um, tracking software licenses, but that came with some challenges. You know, the government doesn't buy centrally. Um, we often have different terms and conditions, different basis for the licensing. So giving those conditions, it just wasn't right for a blockchain solution. But we did learn a lot of things about, you know, how uh, some of the things about working with outside outside of your agency and so forth, but it just wasn't the right um, use case for blockchain. And then in 2019, um, as you mentioned, Mike Wecklow um, and NSF, they uh, were out talking to the grantees and really wanting to understand how things were going and, and so forth. And they received a lot of feedback that the um, payment process, you know, requesting payments and all the financial uh, process to get a payment and then also the reporting was very burdensome. Um, the government has many different systems. We have inconsistent uh, requirements and, and processes. The reporting was burdensome and, uh, you know, they don't, 
I, there isn't a way for us currently to have that visibility, visibility into subrecipients um, without a lot of burden or reporting burden. And also in 2020, in, at the beginning, IBM, the Center for the Business of Government, released a report that said researchers spend about 44% of the time performing mandated administrative tasks. Now, we understand that that's not all related to the financial burden, but, but some of our um, reporting burden in that transparency that we don't have contributes to that 44%. So if you think about if we can streamline some of that burden, um, you know, then more of the researchers teams time can go towards the purpose of the, the grant rather than these administrative tasks. So, um, you know, we started talking about it and thinking about the blockchain um, application, you know, how, how it could be used, what it was good for. And it seemed like a really good fit. And so we, um, we, further looked at this and built a prototype, a minimally viable prototype to test it and say, would this improve, you know, the process? Would it help the federal agencies as well as the grantees? And overwhelmingly, we've been told, yes, this, this was, is going to help. They could see benefits in it. You know, there's still things that, of course, you know, that we will need to build out because, as I mentioned, it's minimally viable, but it did prove out to be, um, helpful. So we did um, a second phase where we actually looked at the process even further, um, and we expanded the the solution and modified uh, our prototype, and also built um, a prototype that people can test out, um, so they can kind of get the look and feel of what we're doing on the blockchain and to provide us with feedback. And, and still, overwhelmingly, the responses are, yes, they can see the value in what we're doing and how it can improve lives or improve their, um, their work. Right. And so I would like you to definitely walk us through a little bit of how the application works and even just explain how, you know, how does a recipient get paid <laughs> with a bit, you know, not a Bitcoin, <laughs> I'm sorry, with the, with the blockchain application and the tokenization. But so... Now, you said there, there is a website that folks can go see this? Yes. So the, the website is https colon forward slash forward slash projects dot envision app. That's all one word dot com forward slash share forward slash XR one zero two N is in Nancy L is in Larry. Z is in zebra, B is in boy, nine, M is in man, D is in David. And then there's a password, which is fit underscore GPS. And you can also find that on FIT's website under the fiscal service. Um, there's a blog there, and it has a link to the site there. And we do encourage everyone to come and look at the clickable prototype and really see that look and feel of the prototype itself. Yes, and we'll definitely have that on our uh, website, the podcast website, so folks can uh, either listen uh, listen as they're, uh, you know, following along there, or they can uh, look at it afterwards. But um, so why don't, uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how does this app work? What is the look and feel of it? Um, and then maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, how money is converted into these tokens and gets out there and is tracked. Maybe. Sure, sure. So, um. 
So talk a little bit about the tokenization first, and then I'll come back to the uh, clickable prototype. So when grants are awarded, um, they're awarded uh, through a letter, um, and it gives criteria for it. So it has basic information about the grant, you know, the grant number, the um, awardee, um, what it's for, um, and then parameters on the funding. They also have key dates. Um, and, and the overall award amount. So what we do is we um, take that information from the award and we tokenize it. So we put it on a blockchain token that can be transferred within the blockchain. Um, and, and when we do that, it also combines that financial information on that token so that we have transparency from beginning to end. So from the time it's awarded, clear up through the audit and the closeout of the award. Um, we will have that transparency of those tokens. Um, and so we call that tokenizing a, a grant letter. So I'll jump back, unless you have a question, I'll jump back to the prototype itself. Sure, yeah, let's go to the prototype. Okay, so the prototype, um, when you log into the prototype, you will see three views. One will be for a grant officer, so that would be for the federal government. There's one for the prime recipient, and then there's one for the agency viewer. Um, and that would be more like your oversight personnel would be the agency viewer. On the right-hand side of the prototype, you will see a process flow, and that shows how the token flows through the prototype and then ultimately is redeemed for a payment. And so um, anytime that you're in the clickable prototype and you're clicking through, it will explain on little bubbles, you know, what's actually um, happening on that screen. So it simulates the way that the prototype works and it'll explain to you everything that is happening and when it gets posted to the blockchain so you can clearly see where you are in the process. And it starts with actually uploading that grant or tokenizing it, like I talked about. And then um, it, it does that and it establishes the grant. And then um, the prime recipient can actually go in and it can establish sub-recipient if, if it's a permitted on the grant. Um, and then all of that activity can be tracked as well. Um, they're able to transfer tokens um, within the blockchain. Um, they can also redeem tokens for cash, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute where it's redeemed and it goes out for a payment through normal ACH rails. Um, but it can uh, also do both of those functions at, at once. So as we have been working with the stakeholders, we've been listening about what do you need, you know, what would make this better. And that's one of the functions that we enhanced in here was the fact that they didn't want to do two steps where they would transfer the tokens and ask for redemption. Um, at, at, so there are times they'll want to do both of those at the same time. They've also talked about um, things like being able to upload if there's several um, transfer of tokens or several words that are being made to be able to upload those out of systems that are already existing. Um, so we are, you know, building that functionality. So, so as we're talking to people, having people look at the prototype, we want to hear that feedback. We want to understand the pain points to make sure that, that our prototype and assuming it goes to a pilot 
you know, would really meet their needs. So we've been, uh, you know, trying to build onto the prototype, but it's still a minimally viable product. We know that there's more that needs to be built out for a pilot as, as well. So, um, so we have those functionalities in there. We also recognize that there are times when maybe someone estimates um, and is doing a, a drawdown that they think that they need $10,000 and really they only need 8,000 or maybe something happens in the audit and um, they, they maybe um, requested 10 and they really can only be a reverse for eight. We have a functionality to be able to return um, funding, so it can re be returned through the ACH rails, then returned on the the blockchain, so that we have that full transparency. We know exactly what happened. Um, if there's money le left at the end of the grant, um, we'll be able to, you know, take that money off the grant and close it out, so that we will have that full history. Um, sometimes it's hard to match things up in our current systems, and and there's a lot of time spent. Um, tracking, you know, what the differences are. But with this, it's one source of truth and everybody has access to it and is validating those transactions. So we have a full history that everybody agrees is the central point of truth. And then our systems would be in sync on the basis of that. And um, so it walks you clear through those processes, including, you know, what you would see for transa transaction histories. You'll also see, you know, a sample report. There's a a federal financial report that is required on a regular basis from the government. Um, and, and our plan is to have that so it can be automated. Um, and so instead of, you know, spending hours trying to do that report, they'll be able to click a button and produce the report. And eventually, um, if, they, if the processes change enough, then the government could actually pull that report when they needed to rather than even the grantee has to go in and do that because all the information is there. Right. And I want to ask, I'm sorry, I want to ask a couple of questions about, again, the traceability um, and maybe any, any limitations of that. So obviously, you know, when you start the grant process and it goes to the original recipient, um, you know, they have it and then they could, they could use it to cash out and make certain purchases. But as you said, if it goes further down, sub-recipients and such, you know, are there any limitations right now maybe with the software or otherwise to seeing additional transactions at lower levels? So, so there isn't on the, the blockchain, you know, we would be able to see those because we have filled in um, internal controls to allow the establishment of the subrecipients and then parameters for when they can draw down and, and, you know, there would also be approvals from the prime recipient. So there isn't. There, there is a challenge on whether or not the government could make those payments directly. Right now, there's no regulatory authority or statutory authority to do that. So that's an area that we need to look at and see, is that something that could be changed or um, would there be another way to capture that information on the blockchain? You know, um, you know, capturing the payments that the primary recipients are making to the subs or, you know, how could we, you know, get that visibility. But um, we can, you know, definitely get the subrecipient information on the blockchain and be able to track it. It's just we have to figure out that payment piece. Right. And, and you mentioned earlier, so how do you convert these tokens into actual real money? 
So, so as I mentioned, there's a redemption feature within the prototype. And that's where someone says, okay, I need to convert my token into cash because I've got a um, invoice I need to pay or salaries I need to pay. Um, so they convert it into cash um, by um, requesting that. And then the prototype will send the information to the financial system of the agency. And then we'll kick off the normal payment processes so that we can have a payment file and then ultimately make an ACH payment. And then we'll have information that comes back from that process that we'll post to the blockchain so it has that full end-to-end -end transparency. So we are still making payments with cash through the ACH processes that are in place. Okay. And again, that's another distinction. This is not cryptocurrency. This is something tied to real money out there, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, uh, you know, you did talk about some of the limitations, but uh, are there other roadblocks or things that you're envisioning if this were to go to a full scale you know, implementation, whether it's legal, technical, legislative, you know, whatever it may be, have you thought of other roadblocks potentially? So, um, I don't know if I want to say roadblocks, but maybe challenges of things that we need to figure out. So um, because this is decentralized, um, we would need to have multiple um, agency ATOs, authorities to operate. And we're not exactly sure what would that look like and how would that process go and what information would need to be exchanged between the agencies that would be operating under like a blockchain. So we do need to, um, to understand better how that process would work. Um, so that's a challenge that we need to kind of figure out. Um, we also need to figure out, you know, some, some things like uh, cryptocurrency does take a lot of um, energy to have the cryptocurrency blockchain. Um, for this type of blockchain and the, the proof of authority that we're doing, we think that's much less. You know, we do need to look at that and the costs and kind of figure out from a governance perspective, how would this work? Because this is decentralized. So it's not like a single agency is operating the blockchain and makes all the decisions, but trying to figure out what would that look like? How would it be funded? You know, how would we handle change control? in this decentralized um, situation. So trying to think through all of those and research all of those kinds of topics are really in our next phase. Yes, and that's exactly what I want to ask about. You know, what is the next phase uh, to actually get closer to going live with something like this? So, so what we're doing in our next phase is really looking at that long-term strategy. So what would a CONOPS look like um, what would be needed, you know, from technology, you know, like the, all the, the other things I talked about, like the costs and the funding and, um, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what it would mean to have an ATO or several ATOs to get this actually in operation. Um, trying to, uh, you know, figure out what would a pilot look like. So what would we need to pilot to really understand, does this work? What are the benefits? Were there any um, lessons learned or, or um, cons that we need to address or understand, you know, what the, you know, the, the benefits? Um, we also would be, you know, working with some other entities such as NIST, 
perhaps GAO, to really understand what it means to have a um, multi-agency ATO, um, to understand, you know, how we would, you know, how oversee the blockchain, um, how decisions would be made, what, you know, kinds of things would we need to put in place. And then also understanding how would we connect to like the financial system or the grant award system and what what would that mean and what would the strategy be so that that's not so burdensome. So looking at um, an API strategy that the Bureau has in place to see can we leverage that, would it streamline the process and, and how could it be a repetitive process to, to make things better and faster in the long run. So we really have, you know, several swim lanes that we need to work through and that's really our next um, set of work. And then on the basis of that, assuming that our um, long-term strategy bears out that yes, this is something that we should pursue, then we would look at, you know, doing a demonstration case where we actually, you know, would make payments and, you know, validate what we believe are the benefits and, you know, the, the return on investment and so forth. Um, and do that assessment and then make another decision of, you know, either a go, no go decision at that point, whether to um, move further into, um, you know, production or some, some phase of this. Right. So, and again, I don't want to have the negative because of course everything has many challenges, but, you know, maybe you could just kind of, in your opinion, reiterate what you think the major benefits of going to something like this would be, you know, what do you see as really the, the reason we need to, to do something like this? So, so it is new technology. And so there's always things to learn, but many of the uh, things that we are seeing that are going to help us are needed so very badly. You know, we need to understand or have that increased transparency. We really need to see if we can simplify the reporting you know, less burdensome so we could spend more money um, on the research itself rather than on administrative tasks. You know, improving that customer experience, you know, where we don't have so many systems and so many different processes and procedures and really, you know, understanding those pain points, kind of like what I was talking about, the digital end-to-end uh, process, really, you know, using that process to really understand how can we improve it? Where are those pain points? Um, it'll allow us to know who those recipients are and get that reporting for USA Spending and the um, FSRS um, reporting and really, um, you know, making oversight efficient. You know, we have some internal controls that are built in here, but we also need to understand about, you know, what would be the impact of oversight, you know, for audits and internal controls and those kinds of things. But what we're seeing with what we've done to this point, there are many advantages to this. And, and so we do need to continue this work and then figure out some of the other challenges. Right. No, this is great. This is a first step maybe in a whole generation of uh, applications and uses of blockchain and the government. And that leads me to my last question for you. Um, you know, what What are you seeing or what is FIT seeing or even ideas you may have of additional use cases for, for blockchain in the government? You know, I can think of so many myself, but, you know, audits or fraud or, or anything where you want to really track exactly where something is in a process. But uh, what have you all seen potentially as other uh, uses of this? 
So, um, so as far as but you know payments, we believe that there's other use cases that a lot of the work that we've done to this point could um, be used to help with other types of payments, like intergovernmental payments. We think that the same um, types of processes could kind of be flipped on the, the the flip side of like receivables. So I actually had a conversation with another agency and they were wanting to know what we were doing with blockchain and they kind of were looking at the flip side. So they actually um, bill a state uh, for services that they render across that state. So for at the state level, at the local level and at the, the county level, and um, then the monies are collected by the state and then, you know, paid to the to the federal government. And they would like to have the visibility into who has or hasn't paid at all of those levels. And so really, I was when they were talking, I'm like, well, we could take what we've done and flip some things around and be able to get that same type of visibility. You know, I think there's also. Um, you know, the government does have, you know, a, a lot of like kitchens and um, so forth. And so there's, you know, tracking it, you know, externally um, for like produce and making sure, you know, you get the um, get it where it's needed immediately rather than, um, you know, things going bad in different places. So I was thinking, well, gee, you know, some of that tracking could happen. It could, you know, be for pieces of equipment, it could be like medical kinds of things. So there's all kinds of different uses for it. Um, but we really have to have this foundational understanding that I'm, you know, that I've been talking about, you know, understanding how it would work in a decentralized manner within the government, within our standards, you know, and, and what would we need to have in place. So, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of uses, but we do need to have this foundational learning. Um, and, and like I said, FIT is always you know, sharing and, and our partners NIST and, and um, you know, GAO, they, they're always willing to share, you know, learnings and, and, and that's, you know, really our next phase is to really understand and, and be able to share. Okay. Well, feel free to come back on the podcast with, the, with your next project. I know we'll be uh, very interested to see where this goes and uh, always have great guests from FIT. So thanks again for being one of those and thanks for joining the podcast today. Thank you. And if anybody has any interest in working with us on this or um, providing any feedback, uh, they can email it to us at fit at fiscal.treasury.gov. And we appreciate you allowing us to be on the podcast. That's our show. Once again, if you're interested in checking out that app, it's on Treasury Fit's website. We have a link on our HEA podcast uh, website as well. And, uh, yeah, it's a really impressive tool, so check it out. And, of course, as usual, any other podcast you'd like to listen to right here, agacgfm.org. And we look forward to providing you more entertaining and helpful podcasts just like this one in the near future. So stay tuned. But until then, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.